honored to be the youth pastor here. I love this youth group, the branch. It's my favorite youth group. I love them. I'm honored to serve here with my wife, Caitlin, um, as part of the youth team. And I love the youth team at this church. I give honor to my pastor and his family. They're away on vacation, getting a good sabbatical and enjoying their uh, anniversary celebration. I love this church. I want to mention this, and this is not a paid advertisement by Brother Duvall, I promise. But I'm a product of this Sunday school department. I look around and I see my Sunday school teachers, Brother Canute, my Sunday school teacher, Aunt Connie. She's my aunt. You can call her Aunt Connie, too. Aunt Connie was my Sunday school teacher, Sister Betty Wilson, Sister Jackie Moore. I'm so thankful for these Sunday school teachers. And let me, let me just mention something. To the teacher this morning who felt like you were just fulfilling a role, that's not what you were doing. I promise. You're not killing time this morning. You're not just handing out goldfish. You're investing into the kingdom. You're pouring into something this morning that has eternal effects. And I thank you for your effort. I thank you for your effort. Thank you to this church for raising me. Quickly, we'll turn to the word of the Lord this evening. Genesis chapter 40. Verse 20 through 23. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief butler and all the chief and the chief baker among his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. And just for a few moments this evening, I'd like to speak on the topic, When God Waits. Would you put your Bibles down and lift your hands and speak to the Lord with me? God, we come before you humbly and boldly, Jesus, asking that you would have authority in this service. God, that your word would go forth, that you would touch your message and your messenger. You would anoint this this evening, God. We give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. Open our hearts and our minds, Jesus, to receive your specific focus word that you've got for your people tonight, Lord. We give you the honor. We give you all of the praise. The tree of life said amen. Amen. You may be seated. The year is 2018, and it is almost possible to have an entire day gone by avoiding waiting. From the time you get up in the morning and reach for your Keurig, you've already started skipping a waiting process. You've begun with instant coffee. In this blessed country, we turn faucets and light switches on, expecting to not wait a moment, but we expect those things to come through immediately. We check our phones for news or social media updates that happen maybe throughout the night because we can't wait to get to work to find out something that maybe we missed. We order our Starbucks and our Chick-fil-A on the apps because we can't afford to wait in line at the drive-thru. That's wasted time in the morning, right? We take an alternate route to work to avoid traffic lights, and then we weave through lanes and traffic to get where we're going even faster, and we handle financial transactions from our phone so we can avoid waiting in line at the bank. We get mad at the person in front of us at Kroger with 12 items in the 10-item or less lane because that has only created a longer wait for us. 
We check our phones out of habit in times of waiting to fill the time. We loathe waiting rooms and waiting in elevators and waiting on elevators and waiting on traffic and waiting for the microwave and waiting on the pizza delivery guy. We make reservations at restaurants just to avoid a wait time. We pay extra to skip through commercials because waiting on them is time wasted. We pay, we can't wait for that person to respond to our texts. We can't wait for the next paycheck, and we can't even wait on our spouse to finally be finished getting ready for church. I'm going to keep my eyes down here. We hate waiting. We avoid waiting at all costs because we have made waiting a negative thing. Brother Ryan Duvall taught on this a little bit this morning. We made waiting synonymous with inactivity, not productive, and a waste of time. Anxiety sets in when we start talking about waiting rooms and waiting on elevators and red lights and waiting on life, waiting on that perfect person to walk into your life, waiting for the new job, waiting for the house to finally sell, waiting for God to fulfill his promise that he made to you so many years ago. This morning, I think I hit every red light on the way into church from Mainville to Montgomery, and my wife said, well, he's just getting you ready for tonight. <laughs> we say things like, I can't wait for this weekend. I can't wait until I get married. I can't wait until vacation. I can't wait for my dream job. I can't wait for that promotion that I'm finally due. I can't wait until I can finally retire. Studies show that we don't like to wait because we feel like it's time wasted, time wasted that could have been used being productive. When polled, the public rates their time of waiting longer than it actually was. People that were polled after waiting 10 minutes in a line said that they felt as if they had waited 14 to 15 minutes. Waiting makes us feel as though our life is standing still while everything else is moving around us, and that's why we hate waiting, because we feel that it's not productive. And yet we come to church and worship a God that created seasons, seasons of harvest and seasons of waiting for the harvest. The thing about seasons is they don't have an expiration date. There's no time when a season is supposed to begin and a time when a season is supposed to stop. We know the relative dates, but we had spring in January this past year and winter in April. And Ohio needs to get something under control because that was ridiculous. We get frustrated at these seasons when they're out of order, but the creator determines the seasons, the end of it from the beginning. The flowers in the field don't determine when they bloom. They don't tell God, all right, it's my time to bloom now. I've waited long enough. It's now spring. If he would have let him bloom in January, what would have happened in April when we got that snow on Easter? The Lord knows when the climate is right for them to bloom and to be fruitful in that bloom. The atmosphere be right, and the creation must be patient for when their creator waits for their appointed time. And in this lies our conflict. We have developed an intolerance in ourselves to waiting, and yet we serve a God who commands us to wait. We love a God who asks us just to wait for another season, just hold on a little bit longer, and yet we do not enjoy the waiting process. We cannot even be patient. In your walk with the Lord, no matter if you have served him for years or if tonight was your first night in service, I welcome you to Tree of Life. You can identify seasons in your life. Seasons come, seasons go. There are some dry and barren. There are some rainy and productive, some full of harvest and reward. God has set up our ecosystem to reflect his nature. But the Bible tells us that there are seasons to life, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to kill, and a time to heal. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 says this, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, 
there is a purpose to your time under heaven. That means that there is a beginning and an end to your waiting season before your purpose. What if the waiting season you feel right now has a purpose? What if the waiting has been sent by God? What if he has put a divine delay in your path tonight? Maybe you are in a waiting season right now. Maybe you've just come out of one. Maybe you've never been in one in your life. That means one is coming. When we look at Joseph's life, it honestly has started out a mess. His father, Jacob, is extremely passive when it comes to conflict. He's got 11 brothers. Nine of them are, have a different mother than he does. His sister was abused, and his two brothers plot against the guy who did it and eventually slay the entire nation. It's just some family drama. Although Jacob has 12 sons, he shows favoritism towards Joseph. And I'm not a father yet, but I don't think that that's a good thing. Joseph, he gave Joseph his very own coat of many colors, letting other brothers know that Joseph was the favorite, and they hated him for this. To top it all off, Joseph dreams of being elevated above his brothers, and he has these visions, and then he goes and tells them of it. And the Bible says that they hated him for his dreams and for his words. So they plot to kill him first by throwing him into a pit. He's got a dysfunctional family. He's being shown favoritism by his dad, and he's hated by the brothers. Maybe these dreams, maybe this promise of the Lord is his way out of this dysfunctional, messed up beginning. Maybe these dreams meant a better way of life was on its way. Except when he goes to check on his brothers in the field per dad's request, they take his clothes and throw him into the pit. This is not what the dreams foretold. This is not what the promise was. Here comes the waiting. So they told Joseph, they sold Joseph to Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they take him to Egypt. The trip from Dothan to Egypt alone was 300 miles, or some scholars would say they think it may have been a 750-mile journey, which could have taken up to 40 to 45 days. That's a long trip. The waiting just kept coming. He's waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. He's then thrown into pit. He's then given up to slavery, which is the process to get to Egypt is another long period of time. He was put up for sale as a slave in Egypt, and Potiphar, the captain of the guards, bought him. Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him and that everything he did prospered. Joseph found grace in Potiphar's sight, and Potiphar puts him over everything in the house, and the Lord blesses Potiphar for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord is upon the entire house. Joseph could have stopped here and accepted this blessing as the promise fulfilled, but I've come to tell somebody tonight, in your season of waiting, do not mistake the blessing of the Lord for the promise fulfilled. If you do, you will only cause yourself more frustration when you realize you're still in a season of waiting. It is possible to stay in that season of waiting, but to receive a blessing of the Lord. But do not confuse the two, because then you'll get frustrated. Potiphar's wife makes an appeal to Joseph, but he does not fall for it. She asks day in and day out. He continues to say no. She finally asks one more time. He leaves his garment and he flees. And she accuses him of something that he didn't do. And Potiphar gets so angry at Joseph that he throws him into the king's prison. Being hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, accused of a crime that he did not commit, these were not part of the dreams. Being thrown into jail was not part of Joseph's promise. Not only is he waiting for the promise to be fulfilled, but he's being persecuted in the process. Genesis 39, 20 through 23. And Joseph's master took him, put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did in there, he was the doer of it. 
the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. You may feel like you are in a waiting season right now in a prison, but let me remind somebody that God dwells with his people even in prison. Do you remember the worship service that Paul and Silas had in a prison cell? The deliverance and salvation that took place in that prison alone. God dwells with his people even in prisons. God was alone with Joseph the whole time. In the dreams, in the pit, slavery, prison, he has never left his side. In the season of waiting, God is preparing you for something. Don't give up now. It is possible for you to prosper in the waiting. You may have done everything right and still feel as though you're stuck, but please don't quit now. God is doing something in you. God is preparing you for something, and God is preparing something for you. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Even when I don't see it, he's working. While I'm waiting on my healing, he's still working. While I'm waiting on my provision, he's still working. While I'm waiting on my deliverance, he's still working. And while I'm waiting on my salvation, he's still working. He never stops working. God blesses Joseph even in the prison, and he causes more to be blessed because of it. Joseph meets the butler and the baker, and he interprets their dreams. They get out of prisons. The dreams come true, and he's forgotten about. Joseph, uh, Genesis 40, 21 through 23, this is what we read at the beginning. And Pharaoh restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph but forgot him. Now he's in prison. Now he's got these guys that have these dreams and he interprets them and they get out and he said, just tell Pharaoh about me. Tell someone about me. And he thinks maybe this is it. And they forget about him. You may feel forgotten in this season, but God has not forgotten you. The Bible says he will never leave you nor forsake you. Joseph keeps on. He doesn't give up. God blesses everything that he does in prison. The Lord is building something in Joseph, even in the prison. Do not be afraid of being worked on in your time of waiting because the waiting has a purpose for you. God has designed this waiting season to strengthen you and to build you up, but it is up to you, it is up to, you to determine how that goes. The Bible says that God showed favor on Joseph when we understand that we receive the favor of the Lord by being obedient to his voice. We must be obedient to how he tells us to live even in the seasons of waiting. The times he gives us in harvest and in planting is worth the same in God's eyes as the time he gives us in the waiting period. We may not hold them to the same value. We may enjoy the harvest more. We, pay, we may put more value in that time more, but they have the same value in God's eyes. Are you being a good steward of your time in the waiting process? Or are you trying to just kill the time, wishing that the wait was over? How do you spend your time waiting? How do you spend your free time? Are you more apostolic because of your waiting habits? Are you growing closer to the Lord because of your waiting habits? Be careful how you spend your time waiting for God to come through. Parents, your kids see how you spend your free time. They see how you act and what you allow while you're waiting for whatever it is that God has promised you. Are you being a good steward of what God has placed in you in this time of wait? You have to be intentional with how you spend your time waiting. We must be obedient to the voice of the Lord. From the time the butler got out of prison till the time Pharaoh dreams a dream and the butler says, oh, that reminds me, I knew a guy, is about two years. In the Bible, it's just a little space in between those two verses, but it's two years. Think about that. 
That's a long time. I don't even know how long it was from the time that he's in the pit, travels to Egypt, sold into slavery. But once he's in the prison, that time alone is two years. This is a long period of waiting for this promised dream to come true. Two years of Joseph waiting, two years of holding on to the promise, two years of wondering if the dreams were actually real. I wonder if there were any doubts in those two years. But this time alone with God waiting and Joseph being intentional about how he was obedient in that time is what makes Joseph the man he would eventually become. Let me tell somebody tonight, you are designed for your destiny in the waiting period. Trust God's process. Don't rush through the process. If God said it, then you can stand upon it and wait with confidence. It's time that we turn waiting into a good thing. As Brother Duvall said this morning, the biblical term of waiting meant a sustained effort to stay focused on God through prayer and faith in him, to tarry with the Lord, to wait on God, wait with God. We see the children of Israel being given a promised land. They're told to walk around the walls of Jericho once a day for six days and seven times on the seventh day and then shout and blow the trumpets and the walls would come crumbling down. This is the promised land that they have been given so many years ago. Forty years in the wilderness and they are tasked with one final mission that will cause yet another seven days of waiting. They can see the end in sight. The waiting in the desert is nearly over. The promised land is almost in reach, but first they must march. They must be obedient. This waiting process is a little weird. But if they would have walked around the city seven times on the fourth day because they saw the weather, ca- weather forecast for the seventh and said, it looks super hot. Why don't we just skip to now, walk around the wall seven times? They would have been out of order. We have to trust the waiting process. Hold on to the promise because it's a promise from God. We sing a song around here called Do It Again, and I'll read you the first verse of that. Walking around these walls, I thought by now that they would fall, but you have never failed me yet. We're waiting for change to come, already knowing that the battle's been won, but you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, and this is my confidence. You have never failed me yet. Stand on that promise from God. Place your confidence in him that his promise will come to pass. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11 and 30 says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. We see two things here, obedience and faith. By faith, the walls fell down. The promise was released when they acted in obedience during the wait and they had faith in the promise of God. And in your waiting, in your time of obedience during the wait, you will be perfected. I was praying with a student at camp uh, this past year at senior high camp. I don't know him. I don't know what church he goes to. I don't know his name. I just felt the Lord call me to go pray with him. And so I laid my hands upon him and I was praying. It's a very broad prayer. I know he's a senior, so he's getting ready to leave. This is last year at camp. He's going off to college. I was just praying that the Lord would put his hand of protection upon him and guard, guard his heart, guard his mind, anoint him, call him to what he has called him for. And then I prayed something that I've never prayed before. I believe you can pray in the spirit in English so that who you're praying for can hear you. I said, in God, in his time of waiting, would you perfect him? Would you perfect him in the waiting? And I heard myself say it, and I was like, you've never prayed that before. What does that even mean? Have I even heard that? In Galatians, we find that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and long-suffering, and I'll stop there. Love is first, then joy, then peace. Pastor teaches that there's always an order to the way things are laid out in the Bible. Before you even get to long-suffering and spiritual patience, you will first have peace. There will be a peace that passes understanding, and this is what causes patience to set in. 
In the waiting, it may not make sense to us. The rut doesn't seem right to the flesh, but there will be a spiritual peace in it. And then comes patience. James 1 and 3 says that the trying of faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work. That's saying trust the process. Let it happen. That ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. God has that divine delay set up for you to perfect you. The waiting will make us perfect and complete. If we want to be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, content in where we are and what we have, we must trust the waiting process. Trust his timing. Be grateful for the journey. 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We may think he's slow, but he's never slow. He's never late. He's never behind. He is perfect and holy and true. It's time that we trust his timing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Moses stood at the edge of the Red Sea being led of the Lord out of Egypt. And when it looked as if the children of Israel had been led to their death, God didn't tell them to turn right, turn left, go up the river, turn back and fight. He gave a word to their leader. It said, stand still. Just, just wait. That may be the most scariest thing to do when a sea is in front of you and your enemy is behind you, ready to slay you. Just wait. Like, no, 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 that's not an option here. We've got to do something. Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of your Lord. The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Even when I can't see it, he's working. Then all of a sudden something that I can't see, a way that I never thought was possible, happens. That Red Sea parts and there is a way made. Thank you, Jesus. Brother Rima Duncan preached this last week. Seventy years of oppression on Daniel's people, so he fasted and prayed. 21 days of fasting, 21 days of prayer, 21 days of persistence, of pleading and of waiting. And because of Daniel's fast hadn't been set up before Daniel fasted, I don't know if he stopped on the 22nd day or if that's just when the answer got there. On the 22nd day, the angel of the Lord showed up and said he had left on the very first day of prayer. The first time you pray, the first time you fast, God goes into motion. We're going to wait until he comes through. Amen? To the flesh, it may feel as though nothing is happening. Nothing is changing. We're just waiting for something to come. It's the 19th day for Daniel. Something hasn't happened. I'm just going to keep on keeping on until something breaks, until something moves. But God is always working in the spiritual realm, fighting for us. We have got to place our trust in God. We must trust because trusting God is the only way we will stand on that promise. But trusting God is hard with pride in the way. Patience is nearly impossible with pride present because pride is going to fight against the fruit of the spirit. Patience is the companion of the humble and the enemy of the proud. Pride says this is about my timing. This is on my clock. Patience says, Lord, this is about you and I trust you, your timing and your will. Romans 12 and 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing in sin and prayer. Romans 5, 3 through 5, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also because we know that tribulation, tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. If you've heard Brother Brian Duvall preach this before, just nod your heads with me. Patience makes experience, and experience makes hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. We start with patience. We end with not being ashamed. Yeah. 
If you skip the process, hear me. If you skip the process, if you rush through, that is when shame comes into play. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit, and shame will not come into play if you have the fruit of the Spirit active in your life. There is no shame in the fruit of the Spirit. Patience maketh not ashamed. The waiting is good. It's time to lean into it. It's time to enjoy it. This season will pass. Make the most of your waiting season. You already know the end. You already know God's promise. Stand on it and be present in the season that you are in right now. I wonder if Joseph in the prison would not have been a good steward if he would not have been present in that season of waiting. If the butler and the baker would have had dreams and he would have been like, I don't even belong here. I shouldn't even be here. But he was present in that season. He was there. He was ministering even in the waiting. In waiting on God, we are reminded that we must allow him to take control. And in the waiting, we are perfected. We have to learn to be patient in the wait and that serving the Lord means that waiting is a stage of life that we will forever be in because God is looking for a church that is waiting for him. When God waits, when God puts things on pause, what is your response? Do you wait back with him? Hebrews 9 and 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many because he only needed to die once, will appear a second time not to deal with sin but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. He is looking for a church that is eagerly waiting for him. Would you stand with me this evening? If you feel as though you are in a waiting season right now, I want you to know that God is working so deeply in your life that he has put everything else on pause so that he can transform you into the person that he has called you to be. You may say, but I don't like that. Everyone else is progressing. Everyone else is moving around me. Yeah, but God's got you on the potter's wheel. Step into this season. Don't give up. Stand on this promise. Commit to trusting the process until the promise is fulfilled. I don't know if I looked at Brother Duvall's notes or if he looked at mine. But in Acts 1 through 4, Jesus told the disciples to wait for the promise of the Father. To tarry until you are endued with power from on high. Wait for that promise. That's a good wait right there. And so they did. They got together in one mind and in one accord and waited for the promise. But why? What was their cause for waiting? Because they loved the Lord and they desired his gifts. If you love him, you'll wait for him. Because love is patient. It will not, it will not force, it will not rush into anything, it will wait. True desire for God is not about us and our timeline, but it is all about him. There's a man at the church in Florida that we went to who had the Holy Ghost when I got to the church in 2010, and I just thought he was just a regular saint in the church, and I thought, what an awesome guy. And then I learned his testimony, that he had gotten into church a long time ago and brought his kids to church, and they got into church and got the Holy Ghost, and his grandkids came into church and got the Holy Ghost, but the grandfather had never received it himself. He prayed and he sought and he led his family to the Lord, but he had not yet received the Holy Ghost himself. But it's a promise. That gift is a promise. He never gave up. And his testimony is he waited 40 years for the gift of the Holy Ghost. But if God says it's a promise, then it's going to come through. And I'm here to tell you today, he is still a saint in the church, filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, waiting 40 years, obedient to the voice of the Lord. Hallelujah. It's about the Lord's timeline. 
Isaiah 30 and 18 from the Amplified Version says, Therefore the Lord waits expectantly and longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion upon you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who long for him, since he will never fail them. Blessed are the people who wait on God because they know that he will never fail them. The end of this portion of our story, Exodus 41, 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it, and I have heard say of thee that you can understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me, but God shall give answer, give Pharaoh an answer of peace. The whole time, through the whole waiting process, Joseph always has God as the number one priority. And when he gets out of that season of waiting, right as he's beginning to get promoted, Joseph gets out of prison and he still gives God the glory. He still gives God the glory immediately. The waiting process never hurt Joseph's faith in God. It strengthened it. When we wait upon the Lord, our strength is renewed. It's time to enjoy the wait. It's time to say, God, I am here to stay no matter what trial I go through because I love you and I will wait for your promise. I'm thankful for the promise today. I put my confidence in that. Would you lift your hands all across this building? If the Lord has given you a promise, I want you to know that you can stand upon it. You can count on it. You can take it to the bank. Hallelujah. I want to open these altars. I want to give you a time to pray and to respond. I believe that the Lord has spoken this evening, but it's now time for us to respond. To say, God, no matter the waiting process, no matter how hard it gets, no matter if it seems like I'm actually going the other way than you said I would be going, I will commit to the process. I will commit to waiting with you. I will tarry with you. I will commune with you. Would you come this evening? Would you commit to that? Would you recommit to the Lord? Will you wait on him this evening?